Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, we're glad to be back with you again this week. Uh, as you heard in the welcome video, we're excited that our opportunity to be able to meet together in person is uh, going to be rapidly approaching. And so you can tell uh, because the quarantine beard, that grossness that you got to see get increasingly long week after week is gone. Um, and so, yeah, the time where we'll be able to meet together in person is, is coming quickly, and we're excited about that. Uh, for this week, we're going to continue in our virtual worship gathering. We're going to be picking up where Philip left off two weeks ago in our Love Over Fear series. And this is going to be a part two continuation of that message that he gave two weeks ago called I Disagree. And so the main theme that we want to continue over that Philip did a really good job of, of, of unpacking for us and laying down is this idea that agreeing with one another uh, should not be a prerequisite for loving each other well, right? That agreeing with somebody should not be necessary, should not be a prerequisite to love that person well. Um, in John chapter 17, the gospel of John, we have the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the gospels. And in, in that prayer, Jesus prays that the church would be one, just as he and the father are one. We also have in the in the book of Acts, uh, the book that describes uh, the early church in Acts chapter four, it describes the early church as being one in heart and mind. Um, it's one of the characteristics of the church that should be evident to people who are outside of the church, uh, that they should be unified, that there should be unity among the church. But it's important to note that unity is not the same thing as uniformity, right? You can be in unity with somebody without being exactly the same as that person. And I think Jesus' closest friends and disciples bears witness to this, as I talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, he, among his disciples, were people who were radically and ideologically opposed to one another, uh, but they were unified around these ideas of community and mission, so much so that they completely changed the world. And so uh, it's probably an appropriate time to address that it is absolutely true that some viewpoints, some ideologies um, are harmful, uh, as we talked about even uh, a few more weeks before that, and that they do not recognize the image of God in other people. This is true. Um, and seeking unity uh, without uniformity does not mean that we hold all points of view as equally valid. Uh, but rather that we hold all people as inherently valuable, even those with reprehensible views. And the truth is um, that if you come across somebody or you engage with somebody with a viewpoint or an ideology that you uh, think is extremely dangerous or harmful to other people, that simply trying to debate or argue or rationalize somebody with a harmful uh, ideology is ineffective. Uh, people do not change their worldviews because they are argued or pressured out of it. In fact, data shows that we as humans are preconditioned to allow in the facts that support the views that we already hold while dismissing anything that challenges those views. Uh, it's called confirmation bias. Um, so in, in light of all that, how do we interact with somebody who we disagree with and still love them well um, while also holding the tension 
that we may feel that their perspectives are legitimately harmful to others. It's a difficult thing to approach. Um, we started this series a few weeks ago, and uh, at the very outset of the series, we laid down a few values uh, that we hoped would help guide the conversations in our missional communities around some of these kind of potentially controversial topics uh, in culture right now. And I think that those values are worth repeating and diving a little bit deeper into uh, because I think those same values uh, will help us in how we engage with people that we, um, with whom we disagree. And so if you remember, this was uh, several weeks back, uh, uh, Philip opened up the series talking about these values. Um, and so the first one was valuing open dialogue, uh, open dialogue and valuing open dialogue means, uh, creating a safe space or, uh, alternatively being a safe person, uh, where anyone can share openly without the fear of judgment or, or condemnation. This means, uh, that we are not looking to engage when we say that we're looking to engage in dialogue, open dialogue. It means we are not trying to have a debate. We value dialogue over debate. Um, I am a recovering argumentative individual. Uh, some of you have known me long enough to know that I uh, may not be recovering as well as I'd like to be. Uh, and I can tell you from from experience that nothing feels better than arguing with somebody and hitting uh, the point that they make with that like perfect counterpoint, right? Or having like the perfect defense when somebody criticizes your point of view um, and just having the perfect thing, you know, that's a clap back to come back and say to that person. Um, it feels real good. Uh, and the truth is it might win you points in a debate competition, uh, but in dialogue, uh, in a conversation with somebody in a, in a, um, yeah, in an open exchange of, of ideas, it does absolutely nothing to help you better understand another perspective or encourage somebody else to open their mind to your perspective. Um, it's just, it's just the truth. Um, and, uh, Another thing that goes along with open dialogue is, is that you may be the person that you're trying to engage may not be willing to engage on those same terms. Right. And so I think part of this idea of valuing open dialogue is if the person that you're attempting to engage insists on arguing or debating rather than dialogue, um, it is totally okay for you to consider respectfully not engaging that person in that moment. Um, those kind of interactions, uh, those arguments and debates only serve to strain relationships rather than strengthening them and building them up, which should be our, our goal as we approach people with this idea of love over fear of trying to uh, love well the people that we disagree with. We want to build those relationships and not engage in things that are going to strain uh, or break them. And so it's totally okay if somebody is not willing to engage in dialogue for you to, again, respectfully choose not to engage with them in that moment walk away, maybe come back around when, when the timing is better or when, um, the, the people, the both states of minds are more conducive to having a dialogue rather than arg an argument. The second value, uh, that we laid out at the beginning of the series is that we value everyone's voice. We value everyone's voice. Um, it shouldn't, it should go without saying, but valuing somebody's voice does not mean it's not the same thing as agreeing with their point of view, right? Um, you can show somebody respect without agreeing with them. Uh, whether or not we agree with somebody's point of view, we value, valuing everyone's voice means we value everyone's experience. We value their perspective. And most importantly, we value their humanity. 
uh, I want to jump back to what I talked about at the beginning of this is that valuing everyone's voice does not mean that we hold everyone's, we hold all points of view as equally valid. It just means that we hold all people as inherently valuable. And I'm not going to lie, separating a person who is created in the image of God that bears his likeness um, from their misguided and at times even toxic viewpoints uh, can be really difficult. But if we believe in the power of the gospel to redeem all things and to redeem all people, uh, then that is the difficult work that we as Christ followers must do. And if you find yourself unable to recognize the inherent value in, in every person, even the difficult ones, um, I'll say you're certainly entitled to that view, uh, but make no mistake. It is not a point of view that is centered around the gospel or the kingdom of God. And so it's difficult work to separate somebody's harmful or toxic ideologies from the inherent value they have as an image bearer of God. But it is the hard work that we as Christ followers must commit to, uh, if we want to love people well, even those that we disagree with. The last value, the third value uh, that we laid out at the beginning of this series is we value active listening. Uh, Active listening means listening to understand somebody else's point of view rather than just waiting for your turn to respond and share your point of view, right? Uh, Active listening involves repeating back what you heard for clarity. Doesn't mean you agree, but for clarity that you understand what the other person is saying. Um, And it means asking follow-up questions. Um, this is really important because if we truly value everyone's voice, like we just talked about, right, then it's not enough to simply, um, value somebody's voice. We must show that we value their voice. Um, we must let them know that we, that we are interested in what they're saying, that we value their, uh, their experience and their perspective and their humanity, uh, by caring enough to make sure that we have what they're saying, right. By repeating back what they've shared with us and by asking follow-up questions to allow them, uh, to, to share more about their perspective. When we practice this, when we practice active listening and specifically this idea of asking follow-up questions, uh, we open the door to learning more about why someone believes the way that they do, right? It's so easy to paint somebody as, Oh, well, they believe, this or they're X kind of person, right? Or they believe this. So they're one of those people. Uh, very rarely do we take the time to go deeper and say, okay, how did you arrive at that, at that point of view? And so asking questions and, and, and actively listening, uh, helps us understand better how they came to those beliefs, even those ones that we may find to be harmful. Um, and, uh, and, and finally active listening means looking for points of commonality rather than difference. Rather than listening to somebody and saying, okay, see, that's, that's, that's where we disagree, right? Uh, find the points of commonality among, among the two individuals. Frequently, uh, even drastically different points of view, if you start kind of asking questions to peel back the layers, they can be uh, rolled back to a belief that's shared in common. Um, and maybe how they handle that belief, that's where they diverge, right? But frequently, even really different point of views can be linked back to a shared common belief and asking questions and seeking points of commonality rather than difference can help us see those, those shared uh, points, those shared beliefs and value the humanity in others while allowing them to be able to value our humanity as well. Uh, when it comes down to it, this, this whole idea of loving somebody well, even those that we don't disagree with, that agreement is not a prerequisite for loving them well. Uh, it comes down to which do we value more? Do we value relationship with others or do we value being proven right? Uh, when we have the option 
uh, do we choose to win the argument or are we more concerned with trying to win over another person? Um, now, some of you guys who score really high as profits on your APEST, um, you're probably already starting to bristle at this line of reasoning, right? You're thinking already like, listen, there's right and there's wrong, and it doesn't really matter how people feel about that, right? We can't compromise the truth because somebody else doesn't like it, right? And I get that. And I'm not saying that wrong and uh, right and wrong aren't important. I'm not trying to open up a, a can of, of moral relativism worms or anything like that. Uh, um, I'm not saying anything of that, but... But my question is, is being on the right side of things worth losing relationship over? Um, and to, to support this, I'm not just going to you know lay that out there. Uh, to support this, I want you to consider Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts chapter 15. Paul is part, uh, again, we, we already said Acts uh, is, a, is a historic account of the early church. Um, and so in, in chapter 15, Paul is part of a, a council of early Christians who are trying to figure out what does it look like for Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish people, uh, to become Christians. Christianity was birthed out of Judaism, um, but it, as it began to grow, uh, gen- Gentiles wanted to uh, become Christians, and so they had to figure out more specifically which parts of the Jewish law would they be required to follow as part of uh, um, converting to Christianity. Um, part of that discernment, uh, as this council met, um, was that they decided that converts to Christianity, one of the things that they should uh, do, um, or rather in this case should not do, uh, is eating food that was sacrificed to idols. That was part of the things that they said, they said this is part of the law that Gentile, non-Jewish converts to Christianity should maintain. They should not eat food that was sacrificed to idols. Um, then, if we look at Paul's uh, first letter to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, he writes this. He writes, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. Um, and he makes it clear in the next few verses that he is referring specifically to this issue of food being sacrificed to idols. So in the book of Acts, it is made clear that Christians should not eat food that is sacrificed to idols. But then in 1 Corinthians, Paul is saying, yes, but... If you're an invited guest of somebody who doesn't have the same worldview that you do, that doesn't uh, hold the same convictions that you do, um, just eat it without asking because the hospitality, the relationship uh, is more important than whether you may end up having eaten something you shouldn't have. Um, Does this mean that we never challenge other people's perspectives or that we never question behaviors that might be harmful? Um, Not at all. But I am saying that I think there's a scriptural precedent for uh, weighing the loss of relationship with an individual at times, that at times it may be worth more than making sure that you are proven to be in the right. Um, this is again a, a follow-up from the the message that Philip uh, kind of laid the grounds for two weeks ago. So uh, we we want to give you a few more questions uh, to discuss as a missional community. Maybe you, uh, some of those early questions from two weeks ago are still relevant. You want to engage those questions in light of this message, or maybe these are new that you want to look at, but, uh, we always want to give you a few questions to, to, to talk about together. And, uh, the first one is always a head question, right? How are we engaging intellectually and academically with, with what we're talking about? And so, uh, my first question is why should we, right? Why should we value someone's experience and perspective if we don't agree with their point of view? If somebody has a point of view that's negative, harmful, toxic, why should we value that person's experience and perspective? 
Why is that even important to do? So again, first question one last time, why should we value someone's experience and perspective even if we don't agree with their point of view? Uh, Second question, we move to the reflective, right? Looking inwards, introspective, taking what we're learning and, and, and searching how that applies to our hearts and, and what God is doing in us internally. And so um, my second question is, uh, do other people, do others see you as a safe person to discuss contentious or controversial topics or share points of view that they know you may not agree with? And then why or why not? So are you somebody that people uh, feel comfortable sharing things that they know you don't agree with because they're not afraid of the backlash? Um, or are you somebody that they, you, you notice that people don't want to talk about those things with you. And maybe in your mind, it's because you can just shut down their point of view so quickly. They don't want to bring it up. Um, maybe that's a really generous way of looking at it. Maybe that we can wrestle with, with why people actually may not feel comfortable engaging you, uh, in, in light of those, uh, controversial topics. And so, uh, spend some time, um, reflecting and looking inward as we, as we answer the question, do others see you as a safe person? to discuss contentious topics or share points of view they know you may not agree with, why or why not? And finally, the last question is about experiential. What are you going to do with this uh, academic knowledge, this reflective knowledge? What are you going to do, put it into practice with your hands? Um, And so this is less of a question and more of a challenge, more of of an action step. Uh, In light of everything that we've talked about, um, my challenge for you this week is to make a point Make it a point to have a conversation, preferably not via social media. I know that that's difficult with certain social distancing requirements and, and, and encouraging people to uh, continue to be safe indoors and distant from people. But uh, make a point to have a conversation, preferably not via social media, with somebody who holds a different perspective than you. And practice these values that we've talked about. Practice valuing open dialogue, valuing everyone's voice, and valuing active listening. Uh, unless we start putting those things into practice, we'll never uh, commit them to be naturally how we engage people. It's going to start off as something that we have to be very, very intentional about. Um, in the same way that you learn any new skill, it's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to take a lot of practice before it becomes to, b- before it starts to feel natural. And so, uh, again, your challenge, your action step for this week is make a point to have a conversation, preferably not via social media, uh, with someone with a different perspective than you and practice valuing open dialogue, everyone's voice, and active listening. Those are the questions for you guys this week. Uh, In the book, Love Over Fear, uh, the book that this series is based on, uh, Dan White Jr. talks about the options that we have when we come across people we disagree with, right? And so he says the, the first option that we have is to attack. Um, and we, as we've already talking about, attacking somebody's point of view doesn't work. It just further entrenches them in the pre-existing views that they already hold. Uh, the, section op- the second option that we have is that we can just avoid them. Um, the problem with this is it cuts off all relationship and all community with that person. It eliminates the opportunity that we may have to share the gospel in such a way that transforms that person's life and transforms potentially harmful points of view as they are redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, the third option, uh, and the much, much, much harder work is moving towards that person, moving closer to that person with affection. And so as we use these three values that we've talked about this week to guide how we engage those people we disagree with, and by choosing to value relationship with another person over rightness, uh, hopefully together we can navigate that difficult terrain in ways that continually build up relationships rather than straining them. 
Uh, God bless you guys. We look forward to seeing you in missional communities, and we'll see you next week.